Hi, this is book three, episode 29 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, chapter six, and point D, The Excellence of Godliness. What is better than gold? Jasper. And what is better than Jasper? Virtue. The excellence of godliness appears in several ways. Number one, godliness is our spiritual beauty. The beauties of holiness. Psalm 110.3 Godliness is to the soul what the light is to the world, to illustrate and adorn it. It is not greatness which sets us off in God's eye, but goodness. What is the beauty of the angels but their sanctity? Godliness is the intricate embroidery and workmanship of the Holy Ghost. A soul furnished with godliness is damasked with beauty. It is enameled with purity. This is the clothing of wrought gold, which makes the King of Heaven fall in love with us. Were there no excellence in holiness, the hypocrite would never try to paint it. Godliness sheds a glory and luster on the saints. What are the graces but the golden feathers in which Christ's dove shines? Psalm 68, 13. Number two, godliness is our defense. Grace is called the armor of light, Romans 13, 12. It is light for beauty and armor for defense. A Christian has armor of God's making, which cannot be shot through. He has the shield of faith, the helmet of hope, the breastplate of righteousness. This is proof armor, which defends against the assaults of temptation and the terror of hell. Number three, godliness breeds solid peace. Great peace have they which love thy law. Psalm 119, 165. Godliness composes the heart, making it quiet and calm, like the upper region where there are no winds and tempests. How can that heart be unquiet where the Prince of Peace dwells? Christ in you. Colossians 1, 27. A holy heart may be compared to the doors of Solomon's temple, which were made of olive tree, carved with open flowers. 1 Kings 6.32 The olive of peace and the open flowers of joy are in that heart. Godliness does not destroy a Christian's mirth, but refines it. His rose is without prickles, his wine without froth. He who is a favorite of heaven must of necessity be full of joy and peace. He may truly sing a requiem to his soul, and say, soul, take thine ease. Luke twelve nineteen. King Ptolemy asked someone how he might be at rest when he dreamed. He replied, let piety be the scope of all your actions. If anyone should ask me how he should be at rest when he is awake, I would return a similar answer. Let his soul be inlaid with godliness. Number four, godliness is the best trade we can engage in. 
it brings profit. Wicked men say, it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it? Malachi 3.14 To be sure, there is no profit in sin. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Proverbs 10.12 But godliness is profitable. 1 Timothy 4.8 It is like digging in a gold mine, where there is gain as well as toil. Godliness makes God himself our portion. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Psalm 16, 5. If God is our portion, all our estate lies in jewels. Where God gives himself, he gives everything else. Whoever has the manor has all the royalties belonging to it. God is a portion that can be neither spent nor lost. Psalm 73, 26. Thus we see that godliness is a thriving trade. And as godliness brings profit with it, so it is profitable for all things. 1 Timothy 4, 8. What else is besides godliness? Food will not give a man wisdom. Gold will not give him health. Honor will not give him beauty. Godliness is useful for all things. It fences off all troubles. It supplies all wants. It makes soul and body completely happy. Number five. Godliness is an enduring substance. It knows no fall of the leaf. All worldly delights have a death's head set on them. They are only shadows and they are fleeting. Earthly comforts are like Paul's friends who took him to the ship and left him there. Acts 20, 38. So these will bring a man to his grave and then take their farewell. But godliness is a possession we cannot be robbed of. It runs parallel with eternity. Force cannot weaken it. Age cannot wither it. It outbraves sufferings. It outlives death. Proverbs 10, 2. Death may pluck the stalk of the body, but the flower of grace is not hurt. Number six. Godliness is so excellent that the worst men would like to have it when they are going hence. Though at present, godliness is despised and under a cloud, yet at death, all would like to be godly. A philosopher asked a young man whether he would like to be rich Croesus or virtuous Socrates. He answered that he would like to live with Croesus and die with Socrates. So men would like to live with the wicked in pleasure, but die with the godly. Me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Numbers 23.10 If then, godliness is so desirable at death, why should we not pursue it now? Godliness is as needful now, and would be more feasible. Point E. There are only a few godly. They are like the gleanings after vintage. Most receive the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 17. The devil keeps open house for all comers, and he is never without guests. This may prevail with us to be godly. 
If the number of the saints is so small, how we should strive to be found among these pearls. But a remnant shall be saved. Romans 9, 27. It is better to go to heaven with a few than to hell in the crowd. Point F. Consider how vain and contemptible other things are about which persons void of godliness busy themselves. Men are taken up with the things of this life. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? Ecclesiastes 5.16 Can the wind fill? What is gold but dust? Amos 2.7 Which will sooner choke than satisfy. Pull off the mask of the most beautiful thing under the sun and look what is inside. There is care and vexation. And the greatest care is still to come. And that is to give account to God. The things of the world are just like a bubble in the water or a meteor in the air. But godliness has real worth in it. If you speak of true honor, it is to be born of God. If of true valor, it is to fight the good fight of faith. If of true delight, it is to have joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, then espouse godliness. Here reality is to be had. Of other things we may say, they comfort in vain. Zechariah 10, 2. Chapter 7. Prescribing some helps to godliness. Question. But what shall we do that we may be godly? Answer. I shall briefly lay down some rules or helps to godliness. Number one. Be diligent in the use of all means that may promote godliness. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Luke 13, 24. What is purpose without pursuit? When you have made your estimate of godliness, pursue those means which are most expedient for obtaining it. Number two, take heed of the world. It is hard for a clot of dust to become a star. Love not the world, 1 John 2.15. Many would like to be godly, but the honors and profits of the world divert them. Where the world fills both head and heart, there is no room for Christ. He whose mind is rooted in the earth is likely enough to deride godliness. When our Savior was preaching against sin, the Pharisees, who were covetous, derided him. Luke 16, 14. The world eats the heart out of godliness, as the ivy eats the heart out of the oak. The world kills with her silver darts. Number three, accustom yourselves to holy thoughts. Serious meditation represents everything in its native color. It shows an evil in sin and a luster in grace. By holy thoughts, the head grows clearer and the heart better. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Psalm 119, 59. If men would step aside a little out of the noise and hurry of business, 
and spend only half an hour every day thinking about their souls and eternity, it would produce a wonderful alteration in them and tend very much to a real and blessed conversion. Number four, watch your hearts. This was Christ's watchword to his disciples. Watch therefore, Matthew 24, 42. A heart will precipitate us to sin before we are aware. A subtle heart needs a watchful eye. Watch your thoughts, your affections. The heart has a thousand doors to run out from. Oh, keep a close watch on your souls. Stand continually on your watchtowers. Habakkuk 2, 1. When you have prayed against sin, watch against temptation. Most wickedness in the world is committed for want of watchfulness. Watchfulness maintains godliness. It is the edging which keeps religion from fraying. Number five. Make spending your time a matter of conscience. Redeeming the time. Ephesians 5, 16. Many people fool away their time, some in idle visits, other in recreations and pleasures which secretly bewitch the heart and take it away from better things. What are our golden hours for but to attend to our souls? Time misspent is not time lived, but time lost. Time is a precious commodity. A piece of wax in itself is not worth much, but when it is affixed to the label of a will and conveys an estate, it is of great value. Thus, time simply in itself is not so considerable, but as salvation is to be worked out in it, and a conveyance of heaven depends on using it well, it is of infinite concern. Number six, think of your short stay in the world. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. First Chronicles 29, 15. There is only a span between the cradle and the grave. Solomon says there is a time to be born and a time to die. Ecclesiastes 3, 2. But mentions no time of living, as if that were so short, it was not worth naming. And time when it is once gone cannot be recalled. The scripture compares time to a flying eagle, Job 9.26. Yet time differs from the eagle in this. The eagle flies forward and then back again. But time has wings only to fly forward. It never returns. Time flies irrevocably. The serious thoughts of our short stay here would be a great means of promoting godliness. What if death should come before we are ready? What if our life should breathe out before God's spirit has breathed in? Whoever considers how flitting and winged his life is will hasten his repentance. When God is about to do a short work, he will not do a long work. Number seven, make this maxim your own, that godliness is the purpose of your creation. God never sent men into the world 
only to eat and drink and put on fine clothes, but that they might serve him in holiness and righteousness. Luke 1, 74 and 75. God made the world only as a dressing room to dress our souls in. He sent us here on the grand errand of godliness. Should nothing but the body, the brutish part, be looked after, this would be basely to degenerate, yes, to invert and frustrate the very purpose of our being. Number eight, be often among the godly. They are the salt of the earth and will help to season you. Their counsel may direct, their prayers may enliven you. Such holy sparks may be thrown into your breasts as may kindle devotion in you. It is good to be among the saints to learn the trade of godliness. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Proverbs thirteen twenty. This has been Book 3, Episode 29 of Puritan's Read. We read The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, the latter part of Chapter 6 through Chapter 7.